Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. Every internal promotion at 20th and Blake has met with skepticism these days, and for good reason. Followers of the Colorado Rockies would like to see the organization bring in some fresh ideas, new approaches, and different faces to try to turn around the on-field product. The latest move, elevating scout Sterling Monfort to the role of Director of Professional Scouting, was met with more fervor than most, for obvious reasons. On this week's episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, we're joined by scout and radio voice Ed Henderson, along with Nick Groke from The Athletic, to talk about the pros and cons of putting the owner's youngest son into a prominent position within the new-look Rockies front office. Certainly reason to wonder, right? So keep it right here. Our first pitch is coming up right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USAPrimeColorado at gmail.com for more information. Welcome back to the uh, Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, episode number 18. I'm Mark Knutson. Manny Randall is taking the week off. We're going to talk Rockies front office today. Uh, That's a hot-button issue around here. Maybe not quite Broncos front office, maybe not quite Broncos owner, coach, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, diehard Rockies fans uh, who are – keeping their fingers crossed about the lockout are also concerned about the makeup, the makeup of the brand new front office. And we're joined today by Ed Henderson, this longtime scout and radio voice on KOA radio and Nick Grove from the athletic who covers the Colorado Rockies guys. Thanks for joining us, Ed. Um, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the promotion of Sterling Montfort has raised a lot of eyebrows <laughs> to put it mildly scout for eight years within the organization. Obviously you're a scout. You understand how that works. Most people believe, and I'm sure Nick feels the same way. I'll, I don't put words in your mouth, Nick, but it's a big leap for, for, for a guy, for a 30-year-old to become the director of professional scouting. Big leap. Maybe the resume doesn't support that. But how do you see him fitting in? And do you, I just don't see this as being an earth-shattering event. I, I, you know, there's lots of safety nets when, you're, when you have a title, but you're working for a guy who's Bill Schmidt who's been on scout forever. Well, I, Mark, I would say that uh, certainly Sterling's a very bright guy, and I, I've met him before. Um, you're right. It's a big leap. It's a big position to be filling. Uh, but there is that safety net around him. And I think that, you know, certainly in terms of his knowledge of the organization, um, I don't think anybody can question that. 
But I do think that, as, as is always the case when you're making hires and you hire, quote, from within, uh, you know, it raises some eyebrows. And yeah. I, I think a case could be made that perhaps given the Rockies, uh, you know, mixed success with uh, with the draft over the years, that perhaps a more seasoned person from another ball club would have been uh, a better fit for that. Nick, it feels like Ed's being kind because I'm sure you're feeling a little, har- a little harsher about this. I'm feeling a little bit harsher, but I, I think you're right though. Like if we're, if we're really going to zoom out, go to, you know, go to 20,000 feet on this, um, like, is it that earth shattering? Right. No. Um, but like, let's, let's give it a little bit of context. Um, he's, his position is a director of pro scouting. Uh, are they calling him a director? I've already forgotten what his yeah, director of professional is. scouting. So he, uh, you know, the one-to-one here is if we look, you know, exactly one year ago, the, that position was filled by John Weil, who was right. at the assistant general manager level. Um, so he was, you know, you know, they don't in baseball and major league baseball, they don't hand out assistant general manager titles very easily. Like that's a big, it's a big deal to be an assistant general manager. Right. Um, and I can tell you um, that like talking to people from other front offices around the league, um, those people uh, had a lot of, had a lot of respect for John Weil. Um, he was, Really? He was the one that they that they liked actually talking to uh, about the Rockies. Um, mm. They thought that he wow. was very knowledgeable about baseball. Um, John Weil, he demurs. He doesn't he doesn't like talking about this. But he was essentially the point person on the Herman Marquez trade. Um, you know, the Rockies knew of Herman Marquez from you know sure. Rolando Fernandez found him um, when he was a teenager. But like as far as that actual trade, that was like a lot of John Weil's work. He so he was not replaced. He was the only, you know, of all the people who've left the Rockies front office in the last year, there were, everybody basically had a one for one replacement. Um, Zach Wilson left, but um, uh, Chris Forbes is obviously his replacement. Like he was the assistant farm director. He's now farm director. Um, John Wild didn't have one. So Hmm. they were either going to have to hire somebody um, or move somebody. And what they ended up doing was moving somebody. The, The thing is, and Ed could obviously speak to this much better than I could, but you know, there are different areas of scouting. Sterling has been working in amateur scouting. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a cross checker. Um, and then he, w- he was helping with the draft. Now he's director of pro scouting, which is yep. entirely different. Yep. You're that's the person who is, who's deciding like what you should do in trades and um, you know, do direct, you know, there, there, it's a lot of responsibility. It's not the same. It's not the same kind of scouting he's done. So uh, no, I mean, it, like he, he is woefully uh, under not qualified under for this job. Yeah. Under underqualified is a good word. He is he's absolutely underqualified for the job. Um, he if if you know Joe you know Joe Hernandez just to you know to make up a name had applied for that job with the same resume he would not have had right. that job. They would not have hired him. Like let's be honest. Right. If Joe Hernandez with twice the experience had applied for that job, they probably wouldn't have hired him either. Wow. Uh, but and I and then like more so you know talking to some people since then i think there's some people on the you know around the club who are kind of embarrassed by this to be totally frank Mm. um but like you know i don't you know no i don't i mean i think it's it does not make them a better base it does it absolutely does not make them better yeah but like is it gonna ruin them no No. like your your point was good i mean you're you nobody is working unilaterally Right. Um, everybody has somebody who's looking out for, you know, everybody's looking out for everything. So like, is it totally earth shattering? Is it going to take them from, 
74 wins to 54 wins. No, like, but, but it's not, it's, it's kind of dumb. I guess. I'll get back to that one in a minute because I, I, I have a different view of that. But, Ed, tell us what the director of pro scouting, what his job's going to be. Because it is, as Nick said, very much different from amateur scouting. Well, I think what it boils down to, and I think I, the, the one thing to keep in mind here, you know, he hasn't functioned in that role yet. Right. So I think, you know, we, we need to give him a little bit of time to see how he's going to do. But he, Nick's right. I mean, he's going to have a lot of important duties there. Uh, he's going to be working closely with Bill Schmidt. He's going to be working closely with all of the scouts taking and reviewing their information, uh, preparation for the draft, which is extremely important, obviously. And I think that, you know, trades and free agent situations, he's going to have a, have his nose in that too. So, you know, it'll be a baptism of fire for him guys in many respects, because, you know, it sounds good right now. It's (laughs) cool to have that title director of pro scouting, but you know, he's going to be earning his pay uh, pretty damn quick because the reality is that, you know, as we've seen, guys, with this CBA, everything's been compressed now on the front end of 2022. Yes. So there's going to be less time to do some of the things that the director of pro scouting might normally be doing. So once the once the faucet gets turned back on and we have baseball operations in full swing, you know, he's going to have an awful lot on his plate. And again, the good news is he's got a lot of experienced people around him. But he's going to have his hands full, and I think especially this first year. Hey, Nick, they, uh, they've also hired a guy, uh, his name escapes me, uh, a new analytics guy they brought in from the Washington Nationals. Um, any correlation there that maybe this guy will be an information feeder to a Sterling Monfort, to the front, new, front, new guys in the front office? Uh, what's going to be the working relationship between the, the analytics department, now that they're not doing laundry anymore, the analytics department and the front office? Uh, well, I mean, as far as... As far as I can, I can that I know, um, like the director of pro scouting now, Sterling Montfort, I think he reports to Danny Montgomery essentially. Right, right. Um, so that that's like a separate part from the anal- analytics reports to Zach Rosenthal, who's okay. uh, assistant general manager, vice president of a bunch of different stuff. Right. Um, so th- they're there's yeah, not, they're slightly <laughs> separate, but I mean, again, everybody works. Right. Everybody works together on everything, but uh, those things are are separate. Scott Van Letten, who's the who's right. sort of like That's heading up the um, analytics department, um, he, he, you know, I'm I'm curious, I'm curious to see how he, uh, you know, figures things out. Figures things out. His first duty was to build an entire department because they yeah. had basically all left. Right. Um, it's it's interesting to me though that he's coming from a team, the Nationals, who had a general manager who uh, was was not real keen on. Um, on accepting analytics advice or analytics input. Um, and he's, he's arriving with a team that traditionally has also not been all that keen on, on accepting that, that, uh, um, that avenue of information. Um, Bill, I think Bill Schmidt is, he's open. To, it's not like he's like, I hate, I hate statistics or something. Right. He's open to all of it, but um, here, here are a couple of things that I think we, we've noticed over the, over, especially the last, especially since the season ended, um, but even more so kind of in the last year, um, two, two things like jump out at the, one of the major problems the Rockies had, um, toward the end of the, the Jeff Breidich era was, I mean, well, first of all, like there are just a bunch of people who weren't getting along. It seems like everybody's getting along now, which is like a big, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, the people are actually talking to each other. Um, but they didn't, you know, one of John Wiles duties on paper anyway, was he, he was sort of like, 
an internal cross checker. So he was sort of like the one who, who looks around and said, you know, he was meant to be a, one of his duties was to look around and say like, Hey, look, I think we're, we're going in the wrong direction here. Um, I think that maybe this was a mistake. Let's see if we can reverse it. Um, or like, this is something we're doing really well. Let's keep doing that. He was almost like an internal sort of editor um, mm. to use a term that I'm familiar yeah. with, but because, because, you know, those lines of communication had fallen so far. I don't think he was really able to do those, those things. Mm. If I had to guess very well, um, just because, um, you know, everything had just sort of fallen apart on an interpersonal level in that, in that front office. Sterling, I don't think he's going to be asked to do that, that mm. specifically. I think that's Danny Montgomery's job. And he, he, because he's been with the club since before they even mm. started playing games. I, he, I, it seems to me like Danny Montgomery's made for that. I think he has a, yeah. he should, my sense is that he has a very keen sense of what uh, what they do wrong, <laughs> and yeah. and I think with Bill Schmidt he is empowered to be able to vocalize those things. Oh, good. Um, I think so. But the other thing that has really stood out to me in the last since the end of the season is, and we we've seen this Sterling Montfort's promotion is another one of of several that have occurred. Amateur amateur scouting or or traditional scouting has is now in control of the Rockies. So like mm. when you ask me about analytics, um, they have built the department up. It's still one of the smallest departments, right. analytics departments in the, in the majors. Um, and they're, but they're, they're, they'll be, they seem to, they seem to have at least a place like the club. Dick Monfort cared enough about to hire them all you yep. know, to rebuild the department. But what we're really seeing is that traditional scouting has, is very much in control of the Rockies right now hmm. uh, from, from Bill Schmidt, um, you know, yeah. Dan Montgomery, that's his background, yep. uh, you know, Mark Gustafson, Sterling Moffat, all of these people that those are their roles. And those yeah. are the people who have the most say with this club right hmm. now. Yeah. That, that, they're one of the, one of the few the scouts, Ed, Ed can attest scouts are, are kind of a dying breed guys. Here's, here's what I wanted to say. And I asked those, those questions at the beginning, everybody's following the, the ownership situation with the Denver Broncos. There are still people out there who harbor this misguided belief that Brittany Bowen will somehow end up owning the Denver Broncos or running the Denver Broncos. 32 years old, two years of, with a title, no experience, no acumen, totally talk about underqualified. She's not even on the map for being qualified to be an owner of a, of a, of a professional football team, especially this one. Flip over to the Rockies. We, under, we know, right? We already know that at some point, Dick, Dick and Charlie are never going to sell this team. Can we, can we say they're never going to sell the team? They want Sterling and Walker to run it, to own it, be the owners at some point, right? I mean, that, that's pretty much a given. So my take is why not put them in these situations right now? Why not put them in these roles? Maybe they're not ready for them just yet, but it's not going to make a huge difference on the scoreboard right now. Put them in there. Have them learn what works, as you said, Nick, and what doesn't work. So they can look at their dad's situation and say, that's not working. When I'm in charge, I'm not going to do it that way. We've, we've seen nepotism in professional sports ownership forever. Some of it's worked. The Rooney's work in Pittsburgh. I guess the bus kind of work in LA, not so much, but there's been places it works some places it doesn't work, but if it's going to work, at least you want to have somebody with some experience, some, he's not a stranger to the front office. Like Brittany Bowen would be a complete stranger to, to this. It's, it's, it's insane. At least these two guys, Walker and Sterling are going to have some kind of maybe a decade or more of front office experience when they're, when they're tasked with running the Colorado Rockies. So long-term, I don't think it's such a bad move. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's a couple of things uh, that I'd like to chime in on that. W with respect to 
Uh, and I know Walker much better than I know Sterling. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I know that one of the things that uh, the Dick had uh, Walker doing and Sterling doing was working in some jobs there that were not, mm -hmm. not at all glamorous. That's I mean, right. I, Absolutely. I remember seeing Walker years ago down there doing laundry in the visiting club. He was on the grounds crew. Started yeah. about talking about working on, from the ground up. He's on so, the grounds you know, crew. I, I think it's a smart move on Dick's part to have these guys involved. And I, the, the wild card to all of this, guys, when we're talking about the essentially the baseball operations side of the house, a name we haven't talked about yet so far in this conversation is Clint Hurdle. And yeah. I don't think we should discount what Clint is going to bring to the organization, which I think, and, and Clint and I have known each other, we've been friends for a long time. I think the one thing that he will bring to this organization, perhaps more than anything else, aside from the massive amount of experience he's got, he's, I think he's going to bring a culture of accountability to this group. So I think some of the stuff, stuffs that you could swap out with another word that we've seen going on in the, in the organization over the last number of years and some of the lack of success that we've seen, I think some of that's going to come to a grinding halt. And, you know, Nick, with your, with your thoughts on, um, uh, uh, Rizzo, the GM in, in Nash, at uh, with the Nationals, you know, I, I agree. And I think guys my age, I'm 70, and I'm kind of one of those guys that, you know, I'm the older generation of scout. We, we've been slow. My generation has been very slow to warm up to analytics at all. But I think the smart scouts of the future, the people who get it, and I've had this conversation with Mike Rizzo on a couple of occasions, you know, the teams that are going to be successful are going to be the teams that figure out how to blend the data that comes from the analytics group, along with the, you know, the, the, the view that the scouts bring to the organization. And I think if you can successfully marry those things together, I think it's going to be a better day for your ball club. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, even further, you know, it's the, the key, the, the trouble teams have right now with numbers and we don't have to go down this avenues translating it into like workable information for players. Yeah. Um, that's why, that's why the giants have like a, NFL sized coaching staff. They have like 30 coaches <laughs> yeah. or whatever they have. Like because they're they're, you know, they boiled it down to where like a coach has a four players that they're responsible for and they're translating the information. Um, I you know, in the future, 10 years from now, I think players, the best players are going to be able to translate that information for themselves. Yes. Um, but but yeah, I you know, to your original question, um, I don't know this. this is just my guess. If I had to look into my crystal ball, just because, you know, the way Dick runs the Rockies, he runs it exactly. If you ever read Dick's, yep. the book that Dick's dad wrote, mm -hmm. he runs the Rockies exactly like Dick's dad ran. Yes, absolutely right. Yep. Like they, there's very much like a thing that's passed down where they, they, yep. you know, they do it almost exactly the same. Yep. Um, and I, so I, if I had to guess, I, th this is probably irresponsible, but since we're just talking here, yeah, we're like, just guessing. I, if, I, if I had to like make a wild guess in the future, at some point, I would imagine that Walker is Walker Monfort is basically Dick Monfort, you know, own, mm -hmm. act, you know, the, the controlling owner right. and Sterling is something more like what Charlie Monfort was. Um, Charlie's not very involved with the club anymore, but when he was, he was sort of like, he was like a baseball voice. Uh, Charlie like knows baseball really well. Yes. Um, and I and they've really missed actually his his baseball voice over time. Yeah. Um, I think Clint Hurdle in a lot of ways is is sort of his proxy now um, to be sort of like an overseeing sort of like baseball knowledgeable person. Um, so I mean I think that's kind of like what we see like the pat like if I had to guess the paths of the two Monfort kids like that's where they're headed. Um, but like you know like again like yeah if it's gonna if they're gonna have to have 
if the if the <laughs> I mean we're just going to accept nepotism as like right. a, a thing Absolutely. and like it's not against the rules it's perfectly yep. under there like they can do, he, Dick Certainly. owns the team he can do whatever yep. he wants with um, right if that's going to have to be the case uh, then yeah this is probably like the best way to do it uh, they're not just you know they just make you know they just make Sterling GM or something like that yeah, would have right. been monumentally stupid right uh, right but like uh, but also again separately to re- you know to repeat from earlier like. Are they a better team now than they were like two weeks ago? No, but but they're not like noticeably worse though either. So right. I mean, if it's going to have to be, it might as well be this way. You're right. Yeah, just just I don't. Yeah, I don't see it as being this monumental deal. Would we all like to see some fresh voices and some fresh ideas coming to this organization? I think everybody agrees on that. That we certainly would like to see that. But given the fact that that's not the way the Montfort meat packing business was run, that's not the way Dick's going to run this organization. But I wonder. If the, the two Monfort boys having not worked in the meatpacking business like their dad did, if they don't look at this differently and they say, well, you know, we both of them played high school baseball, both were competitive guys, they will say, you know, we'd like to do things a little bit differently. And I think if, if they have that option, and I, I mean, who's going to argue with that? If, if, they're, if you can't learn from these mistakes, these glaring mistakes have been made, they got to be learning from them, right? They're not oblivious to what's gone on. Yeah, I, I think that's right, Mark. I. I think that, you know, and I, I agree with Nick uh, in, in terms of the, the two boys and the two paths they're probably yeah. taking. I, I could see Walker being more the the Greg Thiesel operations guy on the on the business side of the the uh, the organization. And I would see Sterling maybe being the, the, the guy running the, the baseball operations, senior yeah. VP or whatever it may be. And we're not talking five years from now. I think we're talking yeah. 10, 15 years yes, down the road. Agreed. You know, I, I do think that those are the past, but, you know, I, I quite frankly, I, they, they've got enough issues that they need to wrestle with coming out of the gate again. When this CBA gets resolved, yep. you know, these every team in baseball is going to be scrambling to get free agents signed. Um, it's going to be a question of can they get all this done in a reasonable amount of time and and still avoid situations where they're losing games or postponing the start to the regular season. I, yeah. I certainly hope that doesn't happen, but you know, there's a number of problems the Rockies are dealing with. And I think some of these front office moves here are pretty far down the list in terms of concerns for yeah. me. Hey Nick, um, what's the vibe around the league? I've heard different things. What's the vibe around the league about Bill Schmidt as a general manager? Oh, everybody knows him. So they, they like that. They know somebody that they, <laughs> uh, you know, that they, he's familiar to like a lot of, you know, he's familiar to a lot of people. So, um, you know, they can call him and they don't have to, you know, you don't have to do introductions or, right. uh, you know, you know, I don't, I think he's probably a mystery. He's, he's, he had his job for so long. Yes. Um, and he, his path to, you know, his path to being a GM is just not how it's done. Like, right. anymore, you know, anymore. Right. so, um, I don't think anybody exactly knows, you know, what kind of GM he'll be, um, what what he might expect in return on trades and, um, you know, how he might work with, you know, I, I think, you know, as far as like free agents and stuff, he, kind, you know, as in his job, I mean, he was basically, nego- I mean, he was not basically, he was negotiating contracts with draft picks. That's yeah. a, like, that's very, that translates very much to like signing free agents, I think, basically. Uh, there's a lot of convincing going on and a lot, you know, right. uh, so, but really it's, you know, it's the stuff, the stuff that he has to interact with when, when he has to interact with other teams, I think is sort of the mystery a little bit. Um, 
and, and what kind of vision he'll have overall. Um, you know, he was not hired to do a teardown because the Rockies don't do teardown. So I think right. he can scratch that off the, off the table. Um, but like, does he, you know, how aggressive does he want to be? Um, you know, is he going to have, you know, I, I don't know if we even know for sure how much say he'll have mm-hmm. in developing like a five-year plan for mm-hmm. the team. Is that what Clint's for, you know, like, or, you know, mm-hmm. you know I, I think it's going to come down to, to Bill Schmidt. Uh, we just don't know. We just don't know yet because he's not only is he not done, not only is he, is he new to this job, but he's new to the job at all. Period, period, yeah. um, I'm not, you know, I'm not, he's not like, certainly I'm not saying he's not qualified. It's just, we don't have any, we don't have any evidence for how he's done things in right. the past to say where, what he might want to do. So I think a lot of people are just kind of curious what, you know, how he'll, how he'll operate. One thing he has to get better at, he has to have better people skills than his predecessor because Jeff was not good with media, with, with people, just the, the, the higher, the high and mighty, the, I know a bit more than you do the Harvard education stuff. It didn't, it didn't fly. It didn't fly with any of us. And Bill made a colossal mistake, his first TV interview. And when he said, said, you know, we're not the Dodgers, we draft and develop. When everybody on earth who follows baseball knows that the Dodgers are the best draft to develop team in baseball. Um, so I, I, he's got some work to do to gain the trust of the Rock, of Rocky fandom. Because Rocky's fans right now are skeptical. Uh, you, you're right, Nick, we don't know. But everything in the past that we don't know has not turned out very well. I think a lot of people are, are looking at Bill Schmidt with, with skepticism. And they said, you know, you got to show me. Ed, can he show us people's skills? I don't know the man very well. You guys tell me, can he, can he be outgoing or is that again, is that Clint Hurdle's job? Because that's Clint Hurdle's wheelhouse. Well, I think it is Clint's wheelhouse. And I, I certainly think that, you know, to be honest with you guys, both of you, mm-hmm. I, I, I was a little surprised at the role that Clint took in the organization. I thought, you know, at, at least in terms of the structure, the hierarchy, I kind of thought that maybe, you know, Bill Schmidt would be working for Clint, yeah. not the other way around. Yeah. But, you know, quite frankly, you know, I, I've known Bill for quite a while. He's he's uh, he, he doesn't say a lot. He's right. uh, he's more of a, a quiet guy. I think. Yeah, you're, to your point, I think he probably needs to get a little bit more comfortable being out in front of the media. Clearly, that was not Jeff's, uh, yeah. you know, strong suit at all. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, you know, back to the comments about the fans and, and you know, I, clearly the fans are are well within their rights to feel questioning of Rocky's motives and Rocky's decisions when it seems to always be internal moves. They, you know, I think in the case of Bill Schmidt, I've had a number of baseball people and just baseball fans that have told me, why the hell didn't they go outside and look hard to find somebody from another organization and bring them in and try to shake things up in that respect? They never have. As you, you, and and as you pointed out, Mark, and you're right, they never, that's just Mm -hmm. not how they do business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can Bill do it? I, I think maybe, but certainly uh, I, I think out of the gate, he's certainly in terms of how people view him around the game. I think he's certainly respected more by far than Jeff Breidich ever was. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a plus, isn't it, Nick? Well, yeah. And, you know, when we're, when we're talking about people skills too, um, you know, the, uh, there, there are different kinds of people skills, you know, your example, like, you know, is he going to, is he going to trip up? on his words a little bit doing interviews. Um, that's not that big a deal. Uh, you know, I'll hold him to a fire when he says something, but I think I knew what he meant when he was saying, you yeah. know, when he said, we're not the doctor, oh, we all knew, yeah. said, we're not going to, we're not going to push up against the, you know, the, the competitive balance tax. Right. We're not, we're right. not going to be a team that goes over the CBT. Also like he should, you know, he probably should have known that I was like, not the, 
not the greatest thing to say ever, but that's not, again, that's not a thing that's going to make the team necessarily worse. Um, the people skills that matter are how he deals with people on the team and within the club. And um, we immediately saw, I think we can go back. I don't, I, it's escaping me off the top of my head, but like one of his first moves, it was like a very minor uh, call up. Um, this is before he was Bill, Bill was officially GM, but you know, back in whatever it was, May or June, there were, you know, we saw some call-ups that, like to me, uh, they were that was Bud Black talking. Mm. Um, Bud Bud was like, Billy, I really need X, and me, and he's like, All right, done. Like, uh, so very very quickly, I, I I think it was clear that that Bill Schmidt and Bud Black are very much on the same page, which is a positive. That's good. Yes, very we, much. We so. Cannot say the same. We can't. We can't have. You know, I don't. You know, the last two managers before. But black, we couldn't have said the same thing about their relationship with the front office. So, like, at mm-hmm. least that's you know that's a positive. Yeah. Another thing I'm super curious is how Bill Schmidt deals with the clubhouse. Um, you know, there's a big difference. He he knows all a lot of these players because he was the one who signed them. Right. Uh, you know, he's the one who drafted them and and got their first contract. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's it's not like he's a stranger to a lot of these players, but what happens when there's another Nolan Arnauto situation? Like who, you know, I think it's going to go a long way uh, that, that Bill Schmidt's not a jerk. Like he, you know, you can actually, <laughs> you know, people can actually yeah. talk to him. Yeah. Um, so like that, like that, you know, that really does go a long way to just be able to be able to talk to somebody, but um, how he, you know, how he pushes back on like a star player. I mean, we're, we'll have to see how that works yeah. uh, when it comes up. I don't, I don't foresee that. I don't think that's going to happen. Nothing like that is going to happen this year, but like, right. you know, Kyle Freeland, for instance, is, right. I mean, he's had, we, he's, he does not have a contract, a long-term contract. Um, he is not going to be as easy to sign as, as Herman Marquez and Antonio Sensatel. So like, what's Bill going to do with that situation? Um, you know, there, yeah. there are a lot of questions, but I think the fact that he, he is known and respected and he, and people actually can approach him like those things go a long way. Okay, lockout aside, guys, um, what has to go right? What's the best case scenario? What, what can go right here for this team to get to close to 500 this season, to make the incremental progress that fans would be satisfied with at this point? What has to happen that has, has to go right? Go ahead, Ed. Well, from my point of view, I think there's several things. I, I, the Rockies are at a disadvantage in terms of where they are now uh, with the lockout and, and the situation preventing them from making any moves uh, over the last month, not to say that they necessarily would have, right. but you know, um, I, I would have been appreciative of the, them being a little more aggressive prior to the December 1st shutdown and maybe get a few guys that would have been able to come in and help. And, uh, Mark, you and I've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I was a big advocate and always will be for Mark Melanson. Yep. I think Melanson would have been a guy that they could have aggressively gone after he wanted, he made it very clear to me and to others that he wanted to pitch here. And they, they, they didn't, they didn't make that happen. And I, I think that's a mistake, but, but they've got a lot to do. And, and I think you can just, I mean, obviously Trevor story, can we say with absolute certainty, he's not coming back? No, but more than likely he's not going to be back. So they've got to fill that situation, figure that out. They've got to get a couple more bats in the lineup to provide some much needed offense that was not there even with Trevor there uh, last year. And then I think the, the, the perpetual problem that virtually probably 25 of the 30 teams in baseball have, and that is what do you do with the bullpen? And that bullpen needs to be more dependable. And as it looks right now, 
you've got the same guys, yeah. especially at the back end of that bullpen that you had there last year. So it, I, the Rockies, from my standpoint, are at a distinct disadvantage right now because, again, once things open back up, and they will at some point, <clears throat> they're going to be scrambling and having to compete with 29 yep. other teams for, for talent that they desperately need, and they're not going to have a lot of time to do it. Yeah, Nick, that doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement of the new front office, but is there something they can do at the, in the front office to make this a better season? Well, uh I mean, I, I would just bring just a touch with, with Ed, like, uh, I mean, if I, if I was, you know, I think the roster is so lacking right now that, I mean, as bad as the bullpen is, I would push that down the priority list because I mean, you, they need, they are so desperate for offense. Um, they need three, they need, they need three noticeable improvement. You know, they need three bats who are noticeable, noticeable jumps, the, who are significant jumps to their offense. Um, you know, very much in the outfield. Uh, I don't think they're going to find offense at shortstop. I don't think that's just available at all right now by trade or signing. Um, they, they just, they need a whole lot more, more offense um, for a couple of reasons because they are, they are by a lot of majors. I mean, I, they push back on this in a lot of ways, but they are, if not the worst than one of the worst offenses in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to become even more noticeable. Mm-hmm. Let me throw, let me throw a number at you. If the DH comes this year, and I think it's probably still, yeah, I think that's a fair, I, I think it's still going to happen. Yep. Um, you know, if we look back the last five years, uh, a Rockies, av- an average Rockies hitter is, is worth, if you added one extra bat to the lineup, to the Rockies lineup, it would be worth about a run a game. Rockies pitchers, would allow basically an extra run a game it's it's a wash basically like adding a bat to the rockies lineup and forcing their pitchers to face one extra bat over the course of of 81 games at course field is a wash well if your offense is falling back you know if their offense even falls back from that so you're adding you're giving the other team an extra bat but you're not able to keep up with even that extra bit the, we'll see them slide even farther down. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they can't keep up offensively, we're going to see them slide even farther down. Um, you know, they're in such a hole. I mean, they have so much work to do to even get to, even get to, no, even get to average. They're so far mm-hmm. even from average right now, offensively mm-hmm. that um, they just, and, and unfortunately, like, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be something like a gold rush when, when the gates open again in free agency. But even then, I don't see like a whole lot of free agent bats that would like significantly make them better. Like, even if they sign, like, let's say they sign Nick Castellanos, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, him alone, that does not make them a playoff team. That doesn't make them a 500 team. I mean, like maybe, but um, they need three Nick Castellanos. And I don't, they're not out there. Um, Is Chris Chris Bryant still a free agent? He didn't sign anybody before the break, did he? He is not. No, um, that is a name also. Yeah, right. But, but like, you know, but like Ed said, like all, everybody wants these players. Right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, the Rockies aren't alone. It, uh, they're going to be competing with a whole bunch of, of other teams. Um, I think, you know, ultimately they're, they're going to need to, they're not going to solve their issues in free agency alone. I think they're mm-hmm. at some point they're going to, if they, if they're serious about making significant improvements, uh, we're going to have to see some kind of trades and there's going to have to be some kind of very difficult decision made. Um, because they're not going to trade Garrett Hampson for a significant improvement in offense. Right. Uh, if they want a significant improvement in offense, they're going to have to trade. I mean, they're going to have to trade a Kyle Freeland or yeah. a Brendan Rogers or something like I, yeah. you know, I don't, I know they like those players, but you know, if you want to fix what's wrong, you're going to have to give up something that's right. 
Um, and you know, one last, you know, one last thing though, on that, in that regard, you know, not only do they need to get a lot better offensively, the Rockies have been incredibly lucky the last few years with, with starting pitching health. Yes. Um, like I True. hate to be a buzzkill. Like, man, I don't mean to be a bummer here, but I can't like we just see this across baseball. It doesn't last. Like at some point, like well, they, they used really they <clears throat> really used like six pitchers last year significantly. Well, they lost Gomber and, and they should hopefully have him back. And you get Peter Lambert back. I don't know if he's a difference maker, but you get him back. So yeah, but you're right. You know, Ryan Rawlison, maybe we see him. I think they do have a little bit of depth in the starting rotation that they can bank on, but I'm, I'm with Ed about that bullpen. It's you can't have to send the same cast of characters back out there and expect any improvement because it's just not going to happen that way. Hey guys, um, I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, this, this is tough stuff to talk about, but at least we're talking about baseball. We're not talking about lockout because there's nothing to talk about, about the lockout. Um, I, I hold out hope. I still believe they'll start the season on time. I think there's too much at stake for the owners, especially this, this time around. Hey, 25 years ago when I was involved in this stuff, there were owners losing money. They really were. Small market teams that weren't doing well. And now everybody's making so much money they can't count at all. So I can't see the owners um, letting this linger into the, into the regular season. I don't think Las Vegas is going to let the owners let this linger into the offseason. I think the sports betting industry has got too much at stake now and too much involvement in baseball. But we'll see what happens. Anyway, it should be an interesting season. It's funny, last year the expectation was they were going to lose 100 games. Now that I think that's changed, Nick, is that fair? That I'm probably not expected to lose 100 games again. But if they don't finish 500, I think everybody's going to look at that as like, well, they're, they're regressing again. They're going back the other direction. And that that's not going to make for a good first year for Bill Schmidt. No, yeah, they're, they'll win more than 62 <clears throat> games. Like, come on, that's, that's, right. uh, that's Orioles bad. They're not, right. they're not in that position. That's a, ter- right. that's a terrible. Right. Uh, we, would, we would know before they we would know that 62 right. wins is coming before, right. before they got there. Yeah. But 81, is that a possibility? Uh, I mean, as they sit, absolutely not. I mean, they've, okay. they've, they've been, they've been very much, what were they 70 and then the equivalent of 71 or 71 yeah. and then the equivalent of 70 and then 74, yeah. even if they make the same jump again, um, still not 500. it's still below 500. So yeah, right. I mean, they, they, they would need a lot of change. <laughs> hey, Ed, I appreciate you joining me again this week. Uh, Manny's going to sit this one out, but uh, we'll get Manny back. Nick, it's always good to see you. Uh, hopefully we can see each other at Coors Field this year. I haven't been down in two years, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I know uh, hopefully you get to travel a little bit this year with the team and, and do your job in a normal fashion. That'd be nice. It happened It happened a little bit last year, too, and, I, yeah, it'll come back in full. And, and uh, like you said, this is – it's such a relief yeah. to actually and, talk and about congr- baseball. And congratulations to go, going to work for the New York Times now. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. although, although that does jeopardize your Hall of Fame vote in the future. Right? Oh, you know, I, actually, I actually asked about that, but, yeah. uh, and I don't have an answer to that because I don't, I don't have a business. I don't have business cards, but if I had a business card, it wouldn't say that I work for the New York Times. It would say I work for the Athletic, and right now it's still okay to vote for things, but uh, we'll see. Listen, uh, hey, guys, appreciate it very much. Ed, thanks again. You guys, My uh, pleasure. We'll, talk, we'll talk some baseball again one of these days. Thanks. Sounds good, guys. Take All care. Right. We're back right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, Look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. Learning life skills through baseball, USA Prime is more than just travel baseball. We mentor young athletes in areas like teamwork and skill development. It's about more than winning weekend tournaments. It's about showing young players how to achieve their goals in baseball and beyond. Contact Scott Horman at USA Prime Colorado at gmail.com for more information. 
So that'll put the wraps on another episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Ed Henderson and Nick Grogue from The Athletic for joining us. Be sure to rejoin us next week for another informative episode. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.